Welcome to the 4th Down Experience, the podcast devoted to special teams. Your host of the 4th Down Experience, former pro free agent, nine-year professional kicking coach out of the Midwest, Coach Chris Hughesby. Alongside Coach Chris Hughesby is a former two-time Arena Bowl champ, nine-year pro kicking coach, rep in the South, Coach Brian Jackson. Hey, what's up, 4D Nation? We sure hope you liked part one of our interview with Lawrence Tynes. Stay tuned here for part two, where we dig a little bit deeper into his career as he talks Super Bowl stories and different fun stories about his career. Enjoy. Hey, Tynes. So while we have you on here, um, going back to your two overtime game winning field goals in the playoffs, like reminiscing. Like, talk us through the, the 47-yarder and, and the 31-yarder, like those two pivotal moments in your career. So the, the first one in 08 against Green Bay, obviously it was minus 28 or something, which doesn't even make sense. I don't know how how I did it. Um, I, so that whole day was bizarre. Like, pregame, we got four or five kicks in. Eagles can't hold the ball. We're done. I got four kicks in a pregame, five maybe. Yeah. Eagles can't, he can't catch the ball. His hands are frozen solid. Like, oh my god! So I'm just like, then I kind of look over. I'm like, what's Mason doing? Same thing, you know. I don't think they got through their their pregame warm up either. But so you had a good start. Like made my first two, like a 29 yard, 37 yard. We're up six zero. Things are going good. I'm kicking off pretty well for the for the weather and. So we get in, you know, eight minutes left, fourth quarter, 42-yarder, hit it really, really good, missed it left, just just a little bit left. So I hit it really well, and for me, I'm like a glass half little guy. I'm like, damn, I really hit that good. So I just trot off. No big deal. Obviously, it's, it's a big deal because it's playoffs. And then, you know, we at the end of the game, we talked about this earlier, people don't realize this, but our long snapper was a detail that year. It was yeah, our snapper got hurt in camp. Coach Coughlin basically said, "Hey, has anyone ever snapped?" And 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 Jay Alford raised his hand. And Jay Alford was left-handed. And if anyone knows what it's like to catch a snap from a left-handed snapper, it's different, <laughs> right? And he yeah. threw absolute nukes back there. Like he had no governor. You know, most snappers that are snappers in the league, they have a controlled snap. It's seventy-five percent. Jay just flinged it. And, and Eagles, Eagles, you know, he had been in the league for. 20 years at this point he's like it, we struggled we had we actually got off to a pretty bad start that season as a, as a unit and then we we found a groove we ended up i don't know 85 86 percent for the season and um so the last kick high snap talked about it earlier i was leaning yanked it so we get in overtime and you know I, i'm still feeling good i know people probably think this is stupid i'm like yeah you just missed your last two kicks i'm like I was two for four and minus 28. I felt pretty good about it. Um, and, you know, we were, they get the ball first in overtime. So then I'm kind of like, oh, shit. You know, Brett Favre, eh, he usually capitalizes on these moments. Well, Corey Webster makes a pick. I, uh, you know, I'm like, okay, we're in business. And we're on their side of the field. Three plays later, see the ball drop. Boom, I run on the field. I get out there, nobody's out there. I'm like, I'm, I'm literally, I have my foot on the 37-yard line looking at the right. I look around, there's no Feagles, there's no Snapper. I'm like, hey, guys, are we going to kick this? What are we doing? And obviously, coaches were kind of like, hey, you know, you just missed two. <laughs> I don't know what we're doing here. And, you know, the, the legend of the story is Tom Coughlin said, hey, I saw Lawrence out there. He felt good about it, so he, you know, he sends Eagles and, and Jay out, and uh, I started this kick, and and I I learned a lot from the best the forty two yarder. I missed it left, not by much. I just didn't start it far enough right, so I started this one right at the right upright, hit it perfect. I knew I made it when I hit it, and it just curled right in, right down the middle, and. It's just one of those things you just got to be mentally tough about. And it was tough conditions, but I mean, 
not all bad things are you, you can learn a lot you know you always learn more from your failures that 42 yarder was pivotal for me had i not kicked anything that length in that game i don't know that i would have went out there for that 47 yarder with the confidence that i have because when i hit that ball we've all hit good kicks and missed right you, yep. you've done it brian everyone's hit a good ball and missed and it felt good it just didn't go in it's fine um I missed it a little bit less, so I learned a lot from that kick. And thankfully, and, and then you know, with the distance that I had on it, I knew forty-seven yarder. I mean, I could I could get it there. So there was never any doubt in my head. If I just start this on the right line, we get a good snap and hold, which we did. I'll make it. And then obviously we made it, and the rest is history. The the one in San Francisco was a little bit different scenario, but it felt like it took an hour to kick. So. We go out there, it's raining like hell, muddy, candlesticks, difficult place to kick. I um, I had a lot of success there, though. We played there three or four times, and I just always kicked really well there. You know, I think a lot of it's sight lines there because it almost feels like a high school field. The uprights are, you know, if you look at typical NFL stadiums, there's the upright and then the stands are right behind it, so you kind of have this great visual of it looks closer than it really is. Yeah. Well, a candlestick... The uprights are there, but then there's like 30 or 40 yards beyond the uprights. Wow. And so it kind of feels like it's just open and everything looks further. So this one was like 26 yards. So I get out there, line up, and take my steps back. Kick it. Whistle blows. We're late. I don't know why we were late. Um, delay game. If you go back and watch the film, that's the biggest blessing they would have blocked that field goal. Somebody hurdled our A gap, B gap. There's no way I'm making that kick. So we get to the delay game. I didn't kick it. And thank God, too, because I was in a puddle, really. I didn't have a spot to go left or right on the 26. Mm-hmm. And I was like, shit, it's wet, it's muddy. You know, I'm going to have to be very careful about my plant here. So we back up five yards. Beautiful spot. Picture perfect piece of grass. And timeout. So they call timeout. And I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ, what are we doing? So I'm just sitting out there, just kind of going through my mental preparation, right? You know, I've done this before. I'm talking to myself, hey, you know, just keep your head down. And long as, you know, we, we make the kick and um, go to the Super Bowl again. But, you know, I was just, I, I say this, and I know people bring it up. You're the only guy that's ever done it. I'm like, I was just on good teams, man. It, it wasn't anything I did. I just, happened to be on good teams and I was in the right place at the right time and I made those two kicks so um, it is something you know being removed from the game five years now that obviously I'm really proud about because it's you know to put your team is the next best thing obviously from winning the Super Bowl um, is putting your team there in some ways the championship games are more exciting than the Super Bowl I mean you'll players that have played in those you'll, you'll hear them say that because I don't know why. Just there's something about them. They're they're almost more intense too, for some reason. But um, yeah, just you know, just happy I was put in that position, and and happy I obviously made both of them. Because if I missed that one in Green Bay, I mean I'm definitely cut, and probably someone puts you know concrete around me and throws me in the Hudson in New York. So yeah, I mean it was just all those things. And, but yeah, those were those were fun, man. It was just kind of you know you kind of black out after you make those, even though it's you know one's only thirty one yards, but it's like still to go to the Super Bowl. So, right. Yeah, am I reading this right? The year the year born in Scotland. Yeah, so I moved here when I was ten. That's where I kind of the soccer background came from. My dad was in the Navy, and I didn't really know any other sports. So when I got here. Um, I tried everything, baseball, I was like, no way, um, basketball, <laughs> basketball, I was like five foot three, 90 pounds in ninth grade, I mean, I was a little, I was a little guy, and then by my junior year, I was 6'2", wow. so, um, just kind of converted soccer into football, and then obviously I played safety too, that was fun, I enjoyed playing defense, but, yeah. Um, I mean, did you ever have a Scottish accent when you were a kid? A little bit. I mean, I I still had my little kid's voice, and I have two older brothers, and 
everyone at school called us the Lucky Charms kids. I'm like, that's Irish, we're Scottish. <laughs> so, um, what do you think about the Scottish Hammer? The pun of yeah, listen, Colquitt out. It was tough to kind of give him a ton of props on Twitter because Britton Colquitt's one of my friends. You know, I never want to see anybody get cut, but right. I was pretty amped up that this dude made it. And, you know, God, he looks like a damn linebacker. Um, yeah. I kind of read his story. It's interesting. He, like, accepts a scholarship via Twitter or something, direct message. <laughs> he had no idea where the school was, and then he goes to Arkansas Pine Bluff, and I'm like, he just wanted to go play. So, yeah. obviously, Britton got picked back up, and he's in a much better situation. Kicking Where's Britton at now? Minnesota. Yeah, so... And the Scottish Hammer. What a sweet name. We, uh, Lawrence, we don't have anyone to root for other than the Saints or the Falcons because we're in Alabama. You know, that, that, so listen, that's how I grew up, right? Like I was in Milton, which is right next to Pensacola. And so Jags or no? No. So it was like, you know, Saints. It, was, it was Saints or Falcons. That's all you got on like CBS or whatever. ABC, I don't know, Sox. I just kind of didn't really... You know, I was never really a fan of the pro game. Like, my first NFL game, I actually, I, I played in it. Like, I'd never been to one. Right. That's, so, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it was just kind of, you know, I just, you know, when you grow up in the Southeast, it's like football, college football is king. All right. So, I loved, you know, back when I was younger, it's like Florida State, Miami, Florida Gators, Danny Werfels, where, I mean, everybody was good. Now it's... God, the, the landscape of college football is so lopsided. It's unbelievable. I mean, it just doesn't even make any sense to play the season. What are we doing? Just put Alabama and Clemson and maybe a couple other teams. It just, I don't know. It's so different now. I guess Tennessee or no? <laughs> well, yeah, that's going to be a struggle. I, that, that coach may not make it through yeah. the rest of the year. I mean, Georgia State's not a terrible team. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of good teams out there. Arkansas State, Appalachian State. Yeah, Troy. I mean, there's there's good teams in that conference, and, they, and they've beaten a lot of good, you know, FBS teams. Why won't Alabama schedule Troy? It's not, it's not, I mean, what are they going to win, right? It's a win situation. Auburn won't either. Never has. Is there worry about getting beat? Uh, of course it is. I mean, it's, it's obviously... Um, uh, they're not going to beat Alabama, but, I mean, they would give them a scare, maybe. I mean, I think, you know, Auburn, maybe, they could give them a scare. I mean, obviously, they went in and beat LSU and should have beat them, you know, eight or nine years ago, too. But I, I just there's, it's a no-win situation for either one of those schools to play Troy. I wish they would, but they're not going to. So, Troy's I'm going to go see Troy play in Missouri. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go up there. That's about an hour and a half from me in Kansas, so I'll, I'll go. Check out Sumter, see how he's doing. I think he's, you know, I, I like him as a punter, too. Yeah, yeah. You'll, you'll get to meet Jack, too. Then. Yeah, Jack will be there. Yeah, hitting nukes. Oh. Yeah, I got to college at like 155, 160. <laughs> and then by my friend, and in my first year, I was like 185, like yeah. strong and like, yeah. So it's, that's awesome. Well, yeah. Chris, do you have a token question you want to ask me? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, this this conversation was phenomenal. I just I enjoyed listening to it. It was awesome. Uh, I could go all day. Well, okay. I just got a few questions. I guess Uh, what are besides the the NFC championship kicks? What are some of your favorite memories from playing in the league? Oh man, you know your first game. You always remember your 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 first field goal. And for me, um, it was in Denver, Sunday night football. 85 degrees in uh, September. My first field goal attempt in the NFL was 63 yards. Wow. End of the half. End of the half against Denver. Um, I go out there. Dick Vermeil is like, yeah, let's go. And I hit it, and I absolutely crushed it. And I missed left, like, three-quarters of the way up the upright by, like, two feet. Oh, my I'm gosh. Like, I would have retired on the spot. I would have taken off my entire uniform, <laughs> laid it on the 50, and walked off the field if I made that. So, so then here's here's the crazy part. So we get in the locker room, and they cut, and it's opening well, opening night, right? So they've got like a band playing at time. The, the ref comes in into the locker room and says, "Hey, there was a penalty at the end of that play that we didn't enforce. 
you guys have to come back out. So you're going to get to kick it from 58 yards. So I go out there and miss that one too. So that was fun. Um, I'm really 0 for 1, but in my head I'm like 0 for 2. Right. And so um, third quarter, we come out, field goal again. This one's from 50. I'm like, this NFL shit sucks. Like, can we get anything inside, like, 40? And so I make that, which is cool. So I start my career off with a 50-yarder. Um, I think I made another one later in the game. Uh, that was cool. That you know, And then, you know, <clears throat> you really remember the misses. It, it, it's crazy, but, like, I remember. I mean, I could probably go back and replay all those. I mean, which is probably not ideal, but, you know. Um, and then, you know, scoring the first points in, in um, Dallas Cowboys Stadium, the new one. Nice. You know, we oh, dropped wow. down early, first points, and then I hit a game winner at the end of regulation, um, walk off like we're down by two. I hit like a 37-yarder to win the game. So I remember that just because it was opening night in Jerry's new stadium. There was 106,000 people there, which is still the largest crowd to ever watch it game in the United States so I have that ball and then obviously I have the two NFC championship balls and just you know obviously winning Super Bowls I mean you just remember the guys really um those are pretty special groups that we got to play with and just fortunate to be on those teams I mean we just played with a bunch of selfless guys and you know we were a big part of it special teams as you guys know as you get older get into more competitive football college and pro. I mean, it's, it's a huge part of the game. Yeah. Um, so you know, th- those were fun. Those are just kind of three things that really probably stick out. I mean, I'm sure there's other ones. I don't, you know what? My first game was against the Oakland Raiders Christmas night. That was cool. Yeah. Um, that was really cool. Yeah. My mom was here. So, um, that was my first game winner. Um, I think it was my yeah that was my rookie year. It's thirty eight yards left hash, and pretty cool to win on Christmas night because you don't want anyone having a bad taste in their mouth for and it was at Arrowhead so that was cool. Um, so well, it's, that was a lot of fun. What's cool, man, is you and I are about the same age. You're just a few years older than I, so like I followed a lot of your career. Now I think if I remember correctly, one of the one of the Giants wins. Didn't you guys like squeak into the playoffs and then all of a sudden just get hot and win the Super Bowl? Wasn't that one of the years you played? Pretty much, yeah. The first year for sure. I mean, we we had a really tough game up in Buffalo, and you guys know Buffalo. It was like sixty, then it was like twenty degrees, and then it was like snowing sideways, and then it rained. Like we had like the most unbelievable weather that game, and it was a game we had to have. Buffalo was having a crappy season. And we were kind of teetering at like 500, and we had to win that game to get in. And and so we did, and then ultimately we were playing the Patriots the next week And uh, when they were going for 16-0. So we actually got to see them twice in the span of five. We only lost that game by three points at the end of the year, last game of the year against the Patriots. And so that's really what kind of catapulted us to say, you know what, we can play with them. Because they were – they were obviously we didn't sit anybody either. We had already punched our ticket to the playoffs, and the whole narrative that week was, "Hey, are you guys going to sit all your starters?" And Tom Coughlin was like, "Hell no, we're going to play the Patriots because that's what the NFL world, you know, deserves to see. Then Correct. they don't want to see them go sixteen and zero playing against our backups." So it was a dogfight. Um, I remember hitting an onside kick late in the game. We didn't get it, and obviously we lost by we only lost by three points. So. Yeah, we got hot. I mean, that's what the playoffs is all about. It's a team that gets hot. The second time we won it, we were like a – so we were a six seed that year. And then we – it was kind of cool. So each team we played outside of Tampa, we beat Tampa in the wildcard round. Then we get to go to Dallas. Dallas killed us both games in the division. We go to Dallas, beat them. We go to Green Bay. Green Bay came in and beat our ass week two, like 37 to 10 or something. It was embarrassing so we got to kind of check off all these teams that beat us and so it was dallas and green bay and then the patriots and the second one we won the division but i think we were like a four seed maybe so it's just the nfl is about who's hot who's healthy who's hot 
you know, if you get in the tournament, you know, anything can happen. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So, speaking of the Patriots, your social media game is awesome. I'll just say. Oh, thanks. Uh, I, as 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 we were prepping for the interview, you know, I, I looking through your Twitter. I mean, you have some classic tweets. Uh, the the eighteen and one part do. I mean, that thing practically yeah, that was, was twendi- trending. So how do you, most kickers aren't really like sort of outgoing on social media. Like you got this like confidence about you when you post stuff, but like I mean that that killed it. And then do you, just curious with social media, do you like do you like follow how many likes and retweets some of your stuff gets? Well, the one that kind of went nuts was that one about Pete Carroll. Did you see that one from Sunday? Like someone tweeted something about like Pete Carroll has now beaten every team in the NFL except the Seahawks. I saw so that. I yes. see this. Then I retweeted it and I said, that's a lie. Yep. He beat the Sea you know, they lost he or he beat the Seahawks in Super Bowl, whatever the hell Super Bowl that was. Right when they went for it on the on the one yard line, they threw it instead of running it. Yep. Yeah. And I just organically sent it out, no big deal. <laughs> I pick up my phone like two hours later, there's like 28,000 likes. I'm like, what in the world is going on? And then so I'm like, okay, put phone down, go to bed. I wake up and there's like 78,000. I've got direct messages from like Trey Wingo at ESPN. He goes, that tweet should be in the Twitter Hall of Fame. And I'm like, what do you, what, what was, I, I guess it was, it was pretty funny. I just thought it was kind of quick witted and I thought, okay, pretty funny. So I tweeted it, but I don't, I didn't, I didn't, everything I tweet is organic. I don't care how many people like it. I do like yeah. ruffling the Patriots feathers because I can do that. I've, we've beat them twice. I'm yeah. never going to miss another kick of my life. So no one can come at me that oh, way. No. So oh, I'm, I'm not going to... No, me and can go ahead, Dad. Well, yeah, we can, but I'm not going to miss one on a stage in front of viewers and audiences. and So no one can really... So really... Yeah, I love busting the Patriots balls. Listen, they've won six. We've won two against them. So then, I, you know, today that tweet's still being retweeted. It's at 142,000 retweets or uh, likes. Oh, hi. And I'm like, I only have like 19,000 followers. It's just bizarre what people latch on to, right? I mean, 142,000. And then I'm getting all these people saying, hey, this, you guys showed up on my feed on Facebook. And I'm like, it's that tweet. And then. NFL memes like posted on Instagram today, and they have like a million followers. Yeah, so yeah, maybe I can if I can get some followers, that would be great. And start <laughs> hawking, hawking like makeup or something, getting paid for it. Yeah, that's I mean, that awesome. Yeah, but yeah, Twitter's fine. I mean, listen, as you guys know, I, I don't, I don't engage. You know, you get all the the hate and the people talking crap about you. I don't ever engage. Just it's not even worth my time. I, I mean. I don't even probably see it, but sometimes you see it and you just kind of go, well, that guy's a loser. Um, <laughs> you just move on, but I don't know. I've always just kind of had that kind of, not so, a arrogance, just kind of a, I don't know. I put a tweet out this past weekend, and I think it only got like eight likes, but uh, <laughs> compared to your 170,000 likes, but it was about Ty Long, and so I was going to ask you this, and I, when we had Pat on the podcast a year ago, I asked him this, and Pat, Pat, uh, Pat McAfee. Oh, awesome! We, we had him on here, and I and I asked him this, but so Ty Long uh, did all of the kicking duties. He was the only kicker listed for the game. He did the punting, the kickoffs, the field goals for the Chargers this past weekend. Okay, Michael Badgley wasn't kicking. Yeah. So, is this and he, he now Ty did this in the CFL for the BC Lions? He did all three areas of interest. He did them all exceptionally well. Do you foresee like I guess a did, did you know it and b do you foresee this continuing on? And because they had they had a, a DB or a receiver holding, I believe. No, no, no. They had a, a backup quarterback holding. Yeah. Yeah, they had the backup quarterback. I read about that early in the week where they said, you know, Badgley had hurt his groin like on Friday or Saturday or something. Oh, okay. Um, so he's injured. Yeah, he hurt his groin. But do I foresee that being the norm? No way. It's impossible. Because okay. of just the rep count where where in Well, the, the rep count and then, you know, at some, point, at some point every year, 
every kicker punter is going to have a, this is like a golfer, right? Like, you're going to have struggles, and you got to somehow fix them. And if you're spending all this time on, you know, your kicking or your kickoffs or your punting, um, it just becomes too difficult. If you remember 2006, 5, 6, remember Michael Cannon? Yeah. Yep. For the Falcons? Brian, you remember that? Yeah, he Keenan. started. Keenan, but. Yeah, Michael Cannon. Yeah, Keenan Cannon. So, and you talk about a freaking guy with a cannon. I mean, he's like 5'8 and just could absolutely crush balls. He's only 5'8? Like, yeah, he's tiny. No, I thought he looked, I always thought he just no. looked tall. Okay. No, he's little. Yeah, I was with him in Tampa. Okay. Freak athlete. He, so he did, it. He, he started the year off. So, he went through training camp, 10 for 10 on field goals, was punting. He's one of the best kickoff guys in the game from the 30. I mean, he could crush balls. So, started the year 4 for 8, maybe 5 for 10, like 50%. So, finally, like week 4 or 5, they brought in Morton Anderson, I think, maybe. That's who it was. And kind of solidified the kicking. Now, Michael, of course, still did the punting and the kickoffs and the holding. But I just, I just don't see that. You know, I played in the CFL, too. Um most guys do all three. I mean, I, I think right. um, it's changed a little bit. And that's really, we didn't really talk about the CFL, but if I could, you know, lean one way or the other, what really got me prepared to play in the NFL, NFL Europe was okay, but it was still, NFL Europe was still, you know, remember they had the European kicker that kicked everything inside 35? I don't, I don't remember that. Yeah. I so I remember, like, I remember NFL Europe, though. So like 2002... I went, the Chiefs signed me, sent me to Europe, and so I kicked there, but they, each team had a European kicker on it, just because it kind of helped with fan interest and whatever. Uh, we had a really, really good international kicker, his name was Rob Hart, he was an All-American at Murray State, 1AA. I actually played against Rob in college in the playoffs one year, and he was barefoot. This dude would kick barefoot in college. He had this big Flintstone foot. He was only like 5'7", but he had like the biggest foot. It was unbelievable. Like big fat toe. His big toe was like three inches wide. <laughs> so just like crushed footballs, and he was so accurate. I mean, he missed. So that that was okay because he kicked everything inside 35. So naturally, he got like 20 attempts that year. I got like 10 because I kicked everything outside of 40 or something like that. But I thought that but the CFL is really where I said, okay, you can do this. It's pro football. It's not the NFL. But, you know, I was 50. My first year, I only played like eight games. So I got cut from camp. And then I went immediately up to Canada and played like the last eight games. And then I had opportunities to come back to the NFL. But I said, you know what? Let me just put in a full year in the CFL. And so I went. And it's only three down football, as you guys know. I had, I was I had sixty two field goal attempts that year. Oh. I was fifty one for sixty two. So if you can imagine the confidence I had, I was going out there three or four three or four times a game, kicking field goals in pro football stadiums, and you get forty fifty thousand people in the stands in these games. I mean, it was real yeah. competitive football, and that's really where I said okay. And then I made every All Pro team up there, and then I had like seven offers to come after that season. I literally had seven offers with guaranteed money, kind of like Vanderjack when he came out. Mm-hmm. Seven offers with guaranteed money to like seven teams. And so the Chiefs were back in the mix. They gave me a, you know, a decent amount of money for an undrafted guy that was in CFL. It showed me that they were really saying, okay, you're our guy. It was enough money for me to say, okay, they really think I'm going to be their guy. And so I signed back with the Chiefs because I had obviously been here and I was comfortable. And um, I still had to beat Morton Anderson out, though. So I'm still the only player that's ever beaten Morton Anderson out. And because he still played like five years after that. So I remember <clears throat> I remember Dick Vermeil coming in to the locker room and saying, "All right, you know, if you or maybe maybe I got called to his office and he goes, I'm cutting a Hall of Famer for you. I hope you know that." <laughs> I said. Alrighty, <laughs> wow. here we go. And so that was pretty powerful. So then I, you know, I, you're walking on cloud nine after you finally made it. Because for me, that was going to be I was going to be done after that. That was my third year out. 
and I had played in the CFL, you know, made a little bit of money for a single guy that, you know, didn't have any kids or a wife or anything. And, um, I told myself that was it. Like that was my third, third time in camp. And I said, if I didn't make it, I was done. So yeah, it's weird. You know, it's a lot of it's timing, you know, I see so many talented guys, and I, and I think Sam Ficken's talented. I, I think he, you know, he's had some struggles here and there, but I, I think he's going to be good. I, I really, yeah. I like him. Yeah. I think he's a good so, kicker. So, what age? So, when you you know you brought up earlier, and we and we we uh, uh, we know this kicking coaches or kicking folk like the cheaper guy is going to get it depending on the situation. So, what at what age? At what age do you think it's like? Unless you're, unless you're Lawrence Tynes, Matt Bryant, Penitentiary, you know, unless you're these caliber guys, at this age, you might as well just give it up. And, I, and I'm not trying to be, like, completely rude here. I'm just, like, being realistic. Like, you know, if you're 36 and you're starting to think about trying to go to the NFL, <laughs> you have yeah. no NFL experience. That's what I'm getting at. At what age are you starting to – because I mean, we still have guys that are – 28, 29, 30, 31, 32 that have not played a physical game yet. And I'm just asking, this isn't to make anyone feel bad. I'm just asking just to be realistic because you, you know these coaches, you know, and you yeah. see it change. Uh, that's a tough question. I mean, I, I would never tell anyone to, you know, stop following their dream. Um, right. I right. think it's, you know, if you're, if you're not dreaming, you're not living, right? I mean, that's kind of how I look at everything is if you don't have aspirations, um, I would say, you know, if you if you're late twenty, it would just be hard from a for them, you know, internally. I'm talking about like personnel people to to say, you know, really, how much time do we listen? Because when teams get you and and, and you make it, they, they want to have you for listen. Contrary to popular belief, they they really want you to be there for a long time. And you know, sometimes money gets in the way, like it did in Kansas City. Then I got traded. And, but teams want to have you long term, and you see that with especially punters and kickers. I mean, guys, you know, Vinatieri, Goskowski, Colquitt, I mean, all these guys, Matt Bryant. Um, I, I don't know. It, it, it's hard for me to put a peg it at a number, but for me, it was always like, okay, I'm 25 years old. I'm three years removed from college. I've done a lot. Played in CFL. I played in Europe. I've been on a practice squad. I, I just was ready, you know to kind of move on if I didn't make it. And sometimes there's a lot of guys out there and you guys probably see it. I mean, there's a ton of guys out there that you can see and you're like, damn, this guy's really good. But for whatever reason, it's just uh, timing is everything. It's the most cliche comment in the world, but it, you just have to find someone that likes you. And fortunately for me, I did. And, you know, I, I, I performed when, when the timing, when the opportunity came and I ended up making it. But, you know, I, I think there's a lot of guys, if you think about it like this, think about it. There's 32 jobs in the world. I, I tell people this all the time. I said, I was the luckiest guy in the world for 10 years. I, I played in the NFL for, I was one of 32 people in the world that got to do that. That is a very, very small <laughs> amount of people that get to do that. And, and, and when you think about it like that, I mean, there's three quarterbacks, there's three, four tackles, there's, you know, there's just so many more, you're one guy, and, you know, people ask me, it's weird, people that don't really follow the NFL, they're like, who was your backup? I'm like, there was about 50 guys on the street that were my backup, yeah. that were waiting for a phone call, that, you know, I mean, I did that, I, I did the, you know, when I got cut my first year out of college, after my first training camp, I, I worked out, <sighs> I was on that, whatever they call it, the workout circuit with like the same five guys, literally nine or 10 times that season we went and I would show up and be the same four or five guys that had really good training camps that they thought had an opportunity to play in the league. And, you know, you go and you do, you kick and it blows you away because there was times like, I, I don't think I ever had a bad workout for a team. Like literally maybe one miss, most of the time, no misses. And they're just like, all right, thank you. And you're just like, it, you just keep going. You say, well, what the hell do you want me to do? You know, if you're looking, because most of those situations were, 
where guys were struggling and they're bringing all of us in but you know I, I just never understood you know nine times out of ten I went there I was like we're just gonna kick and go home that's that's ultimately what always happened is yeah and there was a lot of other guys that had good workouts too and you're just going like what are the what are they looking for I never went to a workout where they signed somebody never it was just kind of bizarre like like what what were we doing but obviously you had to do it right to keep your name fresh in everybody's mind and obviously they, they're going to make note that hey Lawrence Stein's is 15 for 15 in our workout you know maybe he's a guy we'll sign to a futures contract at the end of the year so it's just really a lot of luck man I mean you guys see it more than I do probably right now I mean I watch your guys' videos and stuff on Instagram but I I see guys and I'm like they're unbelievable I mean some of the guys I see that you guys post I'm like this guy's legit but right. you know it's not a game right we don't know what he does at training camp and I always felt the most pressure in the preseason like that's where I really felt a ton of pressure because typically if you're the only guy in camp which half the time in my career I probably was but you're expected to be perfect and when all your starters are sitting over there eating seeds and screwing around and you and the punter and the snapper and you literally I don't know if that's true I mean I think I've talked to Robbie Gould about this like you have to be perfect in the preseason because you miss one or two and you know they're going to start going well, what's wrong with him well you know it's just a different feel because everyone else is over there chilling and then you you have to play all four quarters and be you know in the game so preseason for me was dial it up a notch and like get focused you know more than everybody else because it's hard to focus when no one else is focusing if that makes sense Mm -hmm. so you've seen kickoffs and when i came out in 06 and was it was in rookie camp with the bears that's when they changed it to the 30 so i I was having to kick off you know and they were just like hey just just get it to the goal line and as a 5-7 guy i was like shit i'm yeah please Chicago win turn this way mm-hmm. and you know luckily I was able to get it down there inside the five and, and I think one to the goal line on kickoff day but all right so you've seen the evolution of kickoff they go back to the 35 and they play with it now people are talking about taking out kickoff now guys are on on one yard away or the one foot line running now so where where do you feel like kickoffs are eventually going to land to, are we safe right now for a few years, or is kickoff going to go away? I think, the science, I think the science shows that injuries are way down on kickoff. I'm not 100% sure about that, but I think I maybe saw a blurb about it. I think they're fine where they are. I, to me, you have to have the kickoff, because I know everyone's came up with these you know, special ways to do them and, and trying to reinvent the wheel, but... I think it's an opportunity to possess the football, so you can't ever take that away um, with an onside kick or whatever the case may be. And I, I like where it's at. I think it's it's safer. You're seeing you know forty to fifty percent touchbacks. Obviously, a lot of guys are a lot higher than that, especially in domes. But um, yeah, that kickoff from the thirty was a bear. And as you guys know, remember the K balls? They still have K balls, but they're not real K balls. Like I'm telling K-balls, you, balls. When I, I didn't play in the NFL, but when I, when I, in 06, and then May of 07 is when I graduated from, from college, so it was May of 07, actually, and these guys would tell me about these balls, and then when I got there, in, in rookie camp, Lawrence, the balls were bright red. Like they're horrendous. When you buy them from Wilson, and then now, mm-hmm. I talk to these guys now, and they're all, oh, they're silly. Like, they're like absolutely dark brown. silly. Like, so... But what happened? That's, so uh, I'll tell you what happened, and it's funny you ask. Is to your point about the balls, they were so hard to kick. Like, I mean, if you hit a three nine to the three, that was a bomb from the thirty. <laughs> I mean, two thousand one, they weren't even allowed to touch them. Like, equipment guys weren't even allowed to touch the football. So the rep brings them in. You see it, and you obviously see all the kickers banging them on the tee. I mean, you would sometimes, early in my career, I would get a ball and go, are you kidding me? Like on a kickoff? Because that's the only time you ever get to hold it, right? Right. And I would just go, oh, my God. So then 
what happened? Here's what changed the rule. And thank the Lord for Tony Romo. Do you remember when he dropped the field goal snap for Martin Gramatica in Seattle? Yes. Yes. Okay. It took a quarterback, a big, high-profile named quarterback like Tony Romo, to somewhat be a little bit embarrassed and on a national TV stage to drop a ball. Ultimately, there were some blurbs written about why he dropped it. It was it was that ball. It was the slick red, no rough down, no nothing. And so ultimately, the NFL said, "Okay, we'll give the equipment managers." From one one equipment manager from both teams gets gets to come in to the officials' locker room. Mm-hmm. They bring the balls in. They still bring them in, I think. And they have K's branded on them. You guys have seen them, and they're numbered one through twelve. We would tell our our guy, and they obviously the other team would tell their they're allowed thirty minutes with the balls. So what they do now is wet rags, brushes, corners of the table, and in thirty minutes. They can rub down, we tell them typically four balls, five, leave the other six through 12, don't even touch them because we're never going to get to those mm-hmm. unless you have like four punt returns and then people keep the ball and you're like, oh shit, let's get that ball back. We yeah. need it. So that's what's happened. So now, I mean, my last, you know, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, the balls were insane. They're just stupid. I mean, they're, they're like the ones you want to take to a workout. Like right. fat, shiny, you know, they're compressed, all the seams are broken. They're so good. I mean, you see them sometimes when they do a close up on a kickoff. It's like, oh, that's so not the balls. That is not the balls that, you know, people kick from 2001 to 2006. Okay. Wow. Yeah. It's right completely point. changed, but it's all because of Tony Roman. That's what changed okay. everything. Thank God for Tony Roman. Didn't know that. Wow. Mm hmm. Yeah, because, I mean, you, you guys can just see it, right? I mean, the balls are flying. They're absolutely just flying. I mean, I, I watched Thomas Morstead punt. I mean, it's just unbelievable. That God, that punt last night. <laughs> to, to the three-yard line out of bounds. Oh, my God. It, one right. step, just one step. Yeah, I call, it, I call it the Morstead approach. I just tell guys, put your right foot in front and just take a step and punt. 6'5", I mean, he's got a huge lever. Yep. I mean, could you imagine? He probably never, like, he, he never hits a bad ball. I never say never, but he, you know, some guys will hit one off the side of your foot or, you know, you're going to get a roll. Like, I've never seen him shake a butt. If it's missed, it's missed, it's still probably going 4 8 And it's so, going to be in the right placement. Yeah, the balls are good, man. And listen, they kind of want them to be right, especially on kickoffs. They want them, you know, touchbacks and through the end zone. You only typically see return kicks. You know, you're starting to see a little bit more, but, you know, winter up in the northeast, you know, goal line, five deep, guys are going to bring those out, depending on the hang time. Yeah. All right, Lawrence, so we're going to hit our token question up, finish the the interview off here. uh, So this is is probably going to be tough for you because you played in a ton of stadiums, CFL, Europe, 10 years in the league. Um. So I played in all of them. After my 2012, well, now they've made a couple new ones since I retired. But right. I, my last year in New York, I checked off. It was funny. I played at Cincinnati in a regular season game and at Carolina. I played in both of those stadiums in preseason. Mm-hmm. But those were the only two missing on my resume. So I had played in every season. Yeah. I had kicked a field goal against every team in the NFL, too. Nice. So. Top five stadiums. What do you got? Top five for sure for me is Dallas. Is that number one or number five? Yeah, that's number one. Okay, number one. Dallas is clearly, clearly number one. Um, I just kicked so well there. Obviously, it's dumb, but enjoy kicking there. Um, Number two, Denver. Love kicking there. Obviously, altitude. Um, Number three, I loved um, MetLife. Home stadium, I really enjoyed it. Um, didn't mind it at all. I know some people think it's probably crazy. Uh, number four, yeesh. Uh, golly, I'm going to pick all the hard ones. Candlestick, I don't know why. I just kicked really well there. And then, um, what would be number five? Oh, uh, my love kicking there. The ball flies down there. I could give you my 
three worst. Yeah, let's do that. That's yeah. So right off the top of my head, Cleveland, <laughs> Chicago, and <clears throat> Buffalo. Oh, Buffalo, Buffalo, yeah. Yeah. I didn't mind Pittsburgh. I didn't. I don't think I ever had a ton of long ones against Pittsburgh, but um, those are the three. You know, I'll tell you this: if you give me field turf, I'll kick anywhere. You, nice. you start grass out there, like Soldier Field, Arrow, even Arrowhead late in the year gets bad. Cleveland, man, Brian Parte. I think kicking on a shitty grass field is tough. I, I just, you know, because they start putting that sand in there late in the year. Your mm-hmm. your plant foot starts skidding a little bit. I, I'll take 25-mile-per-hour winds if I'm on filter. If I don't care. Like, as long as I know my feet are going to be good, I'm fine. But And that's another reason, I think, as we look at percentages. Obviously, the kickers are better, snappers and holders are better, but I think it's really all to do with filter. No. Filter's like hitting from the middle of the fairway all the time. <clears throat> all right. Um, I, I got to kick in Stiller Stadium uh, as a college player. Uh, oh, did he? Also, we played at Pittsburgh, and we got to play in, in Heinz Field. And um, it, it just—I mean, you obviously played there. Uh, when when I was there, it reminded me how you described uh, the 49er Stadium, where it seemed like yes. when you're kicking a 50 yarder, it looks like it's like a 70 yard field goal. Isn't that weird? Yeah. It, it just optics are a big thing for kickers. Like some places, like close, like Dallas, everything looks like a thirty-five yarder to me. I don't know why. Like even when you're back at like fifty-three, it just everything looked like it was right in front of you. And then you go to Candlestick or Heinz Field or you know San Diego. I didn't. I played there a lot in the AFC West. Like I, I know the weather was good. I just I don't know. I just never really liked it. For some reason, probably the same thing. Maybe it was the uprights. So I don't know. Well, what was it like kicking uh, in the Saints down? Oh, that was awesome. That was a good place. You know, the ball doesn't travel as good there. Um, it's below Maybe. sea level. Yeah. It's below sea level. Um, it's probably a ticky tack thing. I mean, I I always kicked well there. I, I, I have my I missed a 62 yarder there. We played there on Monday night. It was the end of the half, and I, I hit it. I was like, I, I said, that's good. Kind of like um, McManus's last night, right? Like, he hit that, and he thought he made it. That 64-yarder, I mean, I, I can't, I think just barely met. Mine did the exact same thing, although I grazed the upright, like, underneath it. And I was so pissed, because I was like, 62 in New Orleans is a bomb. But um, that one will hit last night. That was good from 62. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. But, yeah, New Orleans is fine. Um that place is awesome to play in. We always got our ass kicked down there, but it's fun to play there. <laughs> what about the Vikings? It's old yeah. Metrodome. Would have been the old Metrodome. The old, yeah. Um, we, you know, we we were supposed to play there when the roof collapsed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So was that we, the game we you guys re- got re- relocated to Detroit? Was that the game? Yeah, we were we were, we were flying to Minnesota, playing Minnesota, and I say, we get diverted to Kansas City, and... <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, there's snow, bad snowstorm. We're like, okay, we're going to stay. We were, so our plan was to stay there that night, which we did. And then all of a sudden, at like 6 a.m., my phone rings. It's Jared Allen. He's like, LT, turn the turn your TV on. I'm like, he goes, our roof just collapsed. I said, no, it didn't. Stop lying. He goes, I swear to God. So I turned the TV on. Sure enough, Metrodome, roof collapsed. Oh. And so then we scrambled, and then we finally found out. So we flew to Detroit Sunday and then uh, played Monday in Detroit against the Vikings. That was weird. Yeah. That was a blessing in disguise. We got a brand new stadium because of that. I mean, they had yeah. for years to get a new stadium and it just, that sort of thing did just you, happened. Could you imagine had that have happened if we were playing? <clears throat> yeah, who knows? I mean, yeah, it no. happened that day, right? So say it happened <clears throat> later in the day after kickoff. I mean, that would have uh, God. Holy cow. So, yeah. I didn't mind kicking there. I yeah. actually liked it. That place, everything feels close, too. Yep. Yeah, they have the stands pretty close to the field. All right. Yeah. My last question. This has been phenomenal. 
Uh, what was your David Letterman experience like? That's I just had to ask. Oh, that was awesome. How did that? How did that like come about? So I made obviously it was after the NFC Championship, and um, I get a call like I don't know maybe Monday, Tuesday, and like from our PR people, they're like, "Hey, Letterman wants you on." Sweet, you know everyone. My age grew up watching David Letterman yep. with my dad, and I was like, "Hell yeah!" So it was a cool experience. I mean, he's so funny. And then I get on there, and I, you know, he's kind of showing Coughlin yelling at me, and he's like, "What is he saying to you here?" And I'm like, "I have no idea." I said, "I don't listen to him when he's yelling at me." So he loved that. And then, then I said, you know, I, he talks about the one I make, and I said. You know, I had to make that one because otherwise I'd be living in Green Bay right now. And he just thought that was the funniest thing in the world. Um, but that's a cool place, man. It was, it's much smaller than you think, like the the uh, studio. And but that was that's that's a highlight. You know, the highlights of, of of winning is is you know things like that. And then for me, it's we got to do two ticker tape parades in New York. So you know, going down the Canyon to Heroes with four million New Yorkers hanging out the buildings throwing ticker tape parade ticker tape during the parade is the two things that I'll remember forever because I mean that's one of the coolest things you can do is go down New York through New York City in a float and there's just people for as far as you can see and pretty cool stuff man so those are all great memories awesome awesome well great man Lawrence thanks so much for talking to us man it's been a probably like <clears throat> top podcast we've had oh sweet we're, we're uh we're only an hour and a half in no two hours, two hours. <laughs> hey, hey, hey guys do you want me to hit record now <laughs> i'm just kidding awesome. i've been recording hopefully that works yeah, yeah. Keep, keep in touch you guys have my phone number now like if you guys are well chris another great talk man so that was fantastic love that one it's going to rank near the top in terms of my favorite. You know, it was just we, t- we talked about everything from the industry to his career to everything, really. It was it was cool, and uh, phones died. It was such a good conversation. So hopefully you guys stuck with it through the end. There was so much content, and hope you like it. Thanks, guys. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, Fourth Down Experience. Yep, please retweet and share with your friends, and, uh, and share these interviews. They're fun. We love them. Peace. Later. Thank you for listening to the 4th Down Experience. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at 4th Down Experience.